Friday the 19th of March and welcome to episode 9 of the Red Zone Restrictor podcast. In today's episode we discuss Trent's submission from the England squad, we vote on the future of Liverpool squad players and then myself and Dan give our initial reaction to the Champions League draw. So I'm joined, as usual, by my co-host, Dan Club. Dan, you know, I like to make it a slightly more interesting, opening question than simply, how are you? So I'll, I'll go with, how have you been and what are your what are your plans for a weekend that won't involve a Liverpool match? Oh, sweet relief. No, I'm joking. Uh, I've been good. We've won twice on the run, so yeah, couldn't be happier. Um, that could all change about 12 o'clock this afternoon, depending on who we draw, but... Yeah, for now. I, I'm really good, actually. Yeah, I must admit. And our guest today is Jack Sear, who's a reporter for Goal. So, same question to you, Jack, really. Um, how have you been this week and what, what's the weekend looking like for you? Yeah, all good. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I've been all right. It was, it was a relief to go into the into this break on a couple of wins, I think. I think um, without that, I think it would have been a few weeks of even more doom and gloom. So a couple of positive performances to go into the break was was good. And let's talk briefly about, about that break. Three weeks between matches because Liverpool went out of the FA Cup and then the international break kicks in. But do we think this is a good thing? So there's obviously arguments on both sides. So on the positive side, you know, there's time off for the players. Uh, Liverpool are organising itself, those players going on international duty can rest this week, um, whereas those who aren't train this week and get next week off. So that time period of recuperation is very valuable, and especially in a season like this. But then on the other side, you have those those buzzwords like rhythm, sharpness and momentum. And, you know, occasionally we have seen Liverpool um, suffering from a lack of those in, in games after an extended break. So so, Dan, what do you reckon, positive or, or negative for, for Liverpool that they have such a big layoff between games? Yeah, I think you're dead right in terms of normal seasons under the clock reign. I'd have probably said it's a negative because every time we've come back from a break, you know, from international breaks or what have you, we've looked really off the pace. And I think rhythm and playing consecutive matches have been really important. But this season, given what's gone on and the injuries we've had and you know, players have looked tired. I mean, Mane and Robertson in particular recently, in my eyes, have looked almost jaded. So people like that, even though it's not a break for a lot of these people because they go and play football, but the relentless nature of club football isn't the same in international. So I think it's actually a positive for us. I think if you look back, like I say, you know, some of our most testing times, like when we went to Qatar and we had all them games in a short period, we'd come back and probably put our best performance in against Leicester. So, in seasons gone by, I'd have said a bad thing, but given what's going on with our season and, you know, that extra bit of freshness in the legs, like the people who say, like Fabinho, you know, he could probably do with a couple of weeks without a game. Jota as well, he's just back to fitness. I know he's gone with Portugal, but, you know, he might sit on the bench for a couple of games. It, it could stand us in good stead. And obviously, we'll come on to the Trent thing, him as well. That could be a positive in a way. Same question to you, Jack, you know, positive or negative? Yeah, I think it's a positive thing, really. I agree with Dan. Um, I think there might be an element of frustration in the squad that having just won two games, there's not a game straight away. But I think Klopp would have been eyeing this break for a while, really. Um, I was reading an article yesterday in The Athletic that said it's the, I think it's the plan to give every player six or seven days off over the course of the next few weeks. Um, and I think that is much needed, really. Um, I think if you look at the training footage yesterday as well, it gives it gives Klopp a, a chance to look at some of the younger players. And the under-18s recently have been playing really well. And I think a lot of those were training with the first team um, yesterday. And it also gives um, us a chance to try and get some injured players um, close to fitness again. I think Firmino should be there or thereabouts after the break. And, uh, and Henderson um, should hopefully be a lot closer as well. So... I think on the whole, it's uh, it's a positive break as long as everyone that is going away on international duty comes back in one piece. 
yeah, and obviously we'll be we'll be holding our breath on that one. But as you say, we've just got to make the best of it really and hopefully use it as an opportunity. So let's look at some of the players who will be staying put. So I've drawn a bit of a list together. Um and hopefully hopefully it's all accurate. So Allison, Adrian, Ben Davis, Reese Williams, Nat Phillips, Fabinho. Case is playing one game for Guinea, but he's coming back before they play Namibia uh, on Sunday because they are on the UK's red list. Oxley, Chamberlain, and Origi if he's left out by the Belgium squad, left out of the Belgian squad on Friday. And obviously, one player who was added to that list yesterday was Trent Alexander Arnold, and um, certainly a shocking piece of news. And I guess what's particularly shocking about it is this is the, the last squad before the European Championships, you know, Southgate's last chance to sort of work with the players before that sort of pre-tournament boot camp, um, if you like. So I guess, you know, from a Liverpool point of view, it's good news to have fewer players on international duty. And, you know, I I can't speak for Dan and Jack necessarily, but I personally don't really care how, how England get on. Um, but it's still worth discussing. Um, just for a few minutes because uh, Trent is apparently, you know, really devastated about about being left out, and you know we have to consider the the repercussions it might have in that respect. So uh, I'll come to you first, Dan. What do you what do you make of of this uh, omission from Southgate? Yeah, I mean, it, it's obviously a negative in terms of, like you say, Trent's gutted, and I think Klopp was equally surprised. I read so. Which I'm not surprised about myself because it's the rationale behind Gareth Southgate's um, omission of him, really, that I don't understand. Like, for me, I probably would say this I'm not bothered about international football myself, to caveat it, but he's the most talented English right back by quite a long way. And he said he's fell below the levels, which it's hard not to agree with because Liverpool, on the whole, have fell below their level. But as is Trent, I mean, early part of the season, he had injury and, you know, we think he had COVID at the start of the season. So that probably had an effect. I think he's been a lot better recently. So it's probably even harsher to leave him out at this juncture. But like his levels, in my opinion, are so much better than all the other English right backs that even falling below them still makes him probably the pick. Um, so I don't really like it was a surprise. Um, I don't really understand it. And I think a lot of people are saying like he's picked on form this time, Southgate. But I mean, without meaning to sound too harsh, like Eric Dyer's in the squad. And if his form's worthy of a place, then I'm not quite sure what to make of that. So, yeah, it gutted for him because obviously he wanted to go. But from a solely Liverpool perspective, it's it's good news, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily think it's even harsh to say that about Dyer. I'm pretty sure he's been he's been dropped on a couple of occasions already. In, in 2021 and yeah you know I I pretty much agree with with your take on it Dan I think there's kind of no getting away from the fact that he's he's struggled for form at times but broadly since that game at Tottenham at the end of January which was probably his best performance of the season I think with with one or two exceptions he's been he's been playing well and probably performing about a seven out of ten level uh, generally and you know it's encouraging as well to see him home kind of the other aspects of his game. I think he's he's created chances from from deep um instead of necessarily on the wing um near the penalty area. And he's also um you know started to defend a little bit better, I think, uh, recently. And I think because of that improvement that we've seen, it does come as a shock. And you know, in terms of the other right backs that are in there, um you know, I quite like Reese James, but Trippier for me, is just a bit of a half-baked right back. You know, I don't think he's particularly special in in either in either department, really. And obviously, the the key thing is that he'd only played five times since Christmas because I think he had that um, that betting ban, didn't he? And and Walker is in there as well, I believe, and he's been displaced by Cancelo at Man City. So that is, I guess, the most confusing part of it, really. Um, so you know these. This international break doesn't really matter that much. I mean, two of the games are in San Marino and Albania. But, you know, moving forward, it'd be a brave decision, put it that way, to not be selecting Trent and, and Reese James, I think, would be my two going to the tournament. But, you know, from Trent's perspective, I just hope it kind of fires him up and gets a, a positive reaction out of him rather than 
dent in his confidence, which I think has already been a bit low at times. But yeah, Jack, um, I'll get your views on this before before we move on. Yeah, I think I was actually looking at um, at the amount of times he's played under Southgate uh, during the last international break. And, and like you guys, I don't really buy the, oh, he's not informed stuff from Southgate. I actually think Southgate just doesn't really fancy him as a right back. I think he's... Southgate obviously uses wing backs and, and when Trent has played in that system for England, he's not really been as effective. I think he's more effective sort of in a back four where he pops up in uh, in forward areas and and he's I think he's harder to defend in those sort of areas. So I kind of saw this coming in a way and I think he does have his work cut out as, as ridiculous as it is based on his talent. I think he I think he does have his work cut out to get back in the squad for the Euros, which... As we've said, he'll be he'll be devastated by it. But for England, I think it's it's probably quite a good thing to be on. Um, sorry for Liverpool, it's probably quite a good thing. But um, yeah, kind of saw it coming. And but like you, you know, having I think he's got Walker in there because he likes to play him as kind of a third centre back. But um, yeah, I think going into the Euros, I'm not actually sure he'll make the squad. So well, yeah, that would be you know that would obviously be a bit of a, a bombshell decision. Um, to to leave him out of the squad altogether, and I think yeah, we it's sort of out the way with international football, isn't it? You know, managers have their systems, they have the players that they prefer. Um, even though the evidence might seem to to favour an alternative option, and obviously it's very early in Trent's career to be talking about him as the kind of player that might just be kind of shut out. But you know, as you say, Jack, there might have been sort of long term signs of of this. Uh, of this omission well, coming, really. Sorry, just one more thing to add on that. I think for England as well, he could probably, to be honest, he could do a job in midfield for him. And mm. um, when you look at this, the central midfielders they've got, I mean, he usually goes with with Henderson and Rice, but behind that, they've not really got a lot. And you think Trent, I know he hasn't played there a lot for for the first for Liverpool's first team, but he's obviously got experience playing in that position in the past. And mm. compared to their other options there. Um, I'm surprised they don't look at him in, in that area as well. Yeah, and I've thought, you know, it would be great to see Trent tried out there for England, really, because obviously we've had this debate of whether we should use him there as a club. And I, and I was thinking, yeah, maybe if, if we could get a glimpse and judge him at international level and see if he if he can sort of thrive there, then it could be something, you know, we try out. And I think you're right, Jack, in that, you know, Henderson and Rice are both good players, but... In terms of out and out, you know, sentiment. I think a lot of the midfielders in the squad are probably more attack minded, um, whereas Trent will probably be quite well rounded. But we'll have to move on from that anyway to really the main thing we want to discuss and, and delve into in this episode. And it was a difficult one to really think of a, a main discussion point for the episode because obviously there's not a game for such a long time and Wolves was quite a while back. So we've decided to play a game of keep, loan, sell. And I'm not sure this is technically a game, but, you know, I find it fun, so uh, we'll run with it. Um, so, essentially, we're going to go through Liverpool squad players and say what we would prefer the club to do with them in the summer. And I am going to try and keep track and see what kind of uh, squad, uh, if red, if the Reds unrestricted the panel with the uh, in charge of Liverpool's uh, outgoings, uh, what kind of squad did we end up with, and maybe what kind of money we'd bank? So, uh, we'll start with Neko Williams. Neko Williams, I go first with, and Dan. So, Neko Williams. I'm not going to say this every time, but keep loan or sell. Um, keep only because I'd love to see him go out and loan, but we need a backup right back. Like I was just going to mention on the Trent thing. Actually, like it's all well and good saying we want him in midfield, but we'd have to sign a right-back then, probably, because I'm not sure Williams would be able to do the job throughout the course of a whole season. I think right now he is a backup right-back, and that's probably about it. Um, I can't see us sell it, uh, sorry, signing a really good right-back to displace Trent, because Trent's so effective. So I think we have to keep Neko Williams next season. And Jack, what do you reckon? I think he's probably a keep as well. Um I must admit, I think some of his performances this season haven't been haven't been that great. But when you look at the other areas, Liverpool are going to need to prioritise this summer. You know, um, 
a forward, a centre back, probably a Wijnaldum replacement. Mm. Um, and we know they only they only spend the money they earn. Um, I think you probably keep him as a backup right back because he is developing. The only thing I'd say on that is I think there was talk of Southampton coming in uh, with a late yeah. offer in January. And mm. if a team does come in and offer Liverpool's asking price, because they do need to raise funds to bring in players, I think they will they would sell him. But then they have a problem in terms of re- replacing his his area in the squad. So I think he's a keep. Um, I, I liked him when he broke through and, and I think the coaching staff definitely seem to like him. I think there's more to come. Guys, it's absolutely scandalous that Southampton are trying to steal all our players like this. Hello. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, I, I'll make it a unanimous uh, keep on this one. I think um, he's had he's had some good games this season, some you know promising games especially Ajax in the Champions League. Mm. And I think uh, there was the Wolves game at Anfield not long after that. Um, is he completely ready to be a backup right-back? I'm not entirely sure. Um, if anything, I actually think this would have been the season to loan him out. Um, while you could still you know, fully count on Milner as, as right-back mm. cover. Um, because I, I think a loan would benefit him in the sense that there is kind of a, a youthful impulsiveness to his game, I'd say. Um, which you see sometimes, um, but next season I don't necessarily think a loan is is viable. Um, and you know, in terms of uh, a, a possible replacement, you can't really justify spending ten million on a backup for Trent, given that funds are limited, and also because it would, you know, block Neko's path to the team. So for that reason, I'll say, I'll, I'll say keep, albeit slightly hesitantly. Uh, we'll move on anyway to his namesake, uh, Reese Williams. Um, I think this one might be um, a slightly a slightly different verdict. Um, Dan, what do you think? Loan for me. Um, where to? I'd probably say the Championship, um, if I'm honest. I think he's shown enough um, in some of the matches he's played um, to, to say we shouldn't sell him. I think he's got enough about him. There's obviously some areas of his game that we're lacking. Uh, I say he got done for pace a couple of times and a couple of little errors here and there. And we obviously, well, we should sign a centre-half, whether it be Kabak or whoever else it may be in the summer. And I just, when all the defenders are back fit, you know, we're looking at maybe seventh or eighth choice for him, which isn't really anything, is it, if we're honest? Although this season it would have been something, but in a normal season, it's not really a position that. So, yeah, I'd loan him to the Championship personally. And Jack, would you... Would you agree with that, or do you have a different idea in mind? No, I would. Yeah, I think um, I think a championship loan would be ideal as long as they can they have the adequate centre back cover next year. I mean, it's looking like Phillips is possibly working his way in to Klopp's thoughts as as, as more of a long term option now, um, the Bolton Baresi. So, <laughs> um, as long as they've got the adequate cover, I, I agree with Dan, and I think he's shown glimpses this season have been very good and he obviously wouldn't have expected to have been thrown in having been at Kidderminster last season. Um, Aerially was good and I don't think he did himself any harm. I think he played a decent game against Tottenham at Anfield earlier this season in particular and um, definitely I wouldn't sell him for now but uh, I think alone, I think at his age, um, he'll want to get some, some proper minutes under his belt next season. Well, it's a unanimous one again because I've not only said loan, but loan to the championship as well. Hmm. Um, I just don't think he's he's ready for for this level yet, and that's I don't think that's like a stinging criticism either because the guy was playing in the national league north last season. You know, to ask him to perform at a good level in the Premier League and Champions League is is unrealistic, really, and and points mm-hmm. to the sort of centre back crisis that we've had. Really, you know, occasionally he's been. He's been decent, but there's just too many, too many lapses in his game. I'd say, and yeah, let's we'd see what he's made of in that division. Where I think because of the team he's coming from and the the you know sort of Champions League experience he's had, he'd probably be someone who certainly initially was a week in week out starter. Um, so it'd be a good test for him. So it's a unanimous uh, loan for Reese Williams. Um. Slightly controversial inclusion on the list now, um, because perhaps wouldn't be a squad player if if fitness didn't intervene. But it's Joel Matip. So 
let's see. Dan, what do you reckon for on Matic's future? You're right to point out the controversy because I don't think any of us are going to deny that when fit, he's a starting centre-half forward, probably just ahead of Joe Gomez in some people's eyes. But for me, like I, I've, I probably see it. This season's highlighted it. If it wasn't for the for the calamitous nature of our defensive department this season, probably having a different conversation. But I think the time's come. I do. I think we probably should sell because I think... This is probably the only time I'm going to get decent money for him, whatever that may be. Um, and I just think, I don't think we will, I'll be honest, but I would personally, I would sell this summer because I think whatever money we get in will go towards, you know, whoever we're going to bring in, probably, like I say, a centre-half. So I just think the injuries are just too constant. And you can say the same, Bolly with Cater, but, you know, that's, that's another story altogether. But I just think every time... Matic plays two games, his next injury's around the corner, you know, and we can't rely on that forever. Like, the Van Dyke thing this season's a bit of a freak. The Joe Gomez one's also a bit of a freak, even though there's been a few of them as well. I just think, you know, too unreliable for me, Matic, and it's such a shame because he's so good. Interesting. Well, it's not going to be, it's not going to be unanimous this time. Um, Jack, what do you think? No, it's not going to be unanimous. I think we've got our first <laughs> slight disagreement here. And I, I, I do see what Dan's saying, though. I think he makes some good points. Um, but I would just keep Matip around um, as, as an option, provided that, I mean, they have to sign an, at least one more centre-back. I think it would just be the one, because they've got Davis as well, who I know we're coming on to. But um, he's a class act when he's fit. And I know it's a big when he's fit. But um, I would I would just keep him around. I, I think he's Klopp's. I I think he's the the centre back that Klopp likes to have next to Van Dyke when he's fit. But I think as an option, I think I would keep him because he he's just a class apart. I think. But I think he's been under eight for quite some time, Matip. Um, and he's shown when he was fit earlier this season, he played some brilliant games. So I would keep him around as an option, provided they can they can bring in at least one other player in that area. Yeah, I, I completely agree, uh, Jack. And unfortunately, Dan, that does mean that you've been that you've been outvoted on on the uh, Red Zone Stroke the Transfer Committee on this one. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm saying keep because I retain naive hope that we can keep him fit for maybe a four, five, six month period. Um, and you know, obviously, he's going to miss a stretch of a season, but if you can get him for any sort of consistent spell. Which is a bigger, bigger and bigger if you know. I accept that. You you know you're going to get world class performances, and that's kind of the remarkable thing. You know, the amount of you know fitness problems that he's had, he still comes into the team. You know, if he, you know, obviously he's out for the season, but if he was in for first game of, of next season, I'd be thinking, yeah, he's he's going to put in a an eight mm. or nine out of ten here. Um, and you know, I I agree with Jack in that he's underrated. He's very rarely talked about as one of the best centre backs in the league, but. That's just, that's just what he is, and I won't take any alternative view on that. And I think what you say, Dan, in terms of now's the time you're going to get money for him is actually part of the reason I, I want to keep him, because I disagree with that, in that I don't think you're going to get a fee that comes even close to reflecting how good he is when he mm. is fit, because he's 29 and because he's injured. And within this, Marcus, you know, who's going to come forward with you know that kind of offer? So I just don't think from a financial point of view in terms of the, the commodity that he is yeah. as a player it, it would make sense that's why I've said keep yeah it's a good point I get I get that and I, just to finish off obviously I've been outvoted and I, I almost I'm glad I am I have been because like I touched upon myself I think he's I do think he's probably better than Gomez but that when fit thing is just too big a deal for me um, and I completely agree with your point Dave in that we wouldn't get the money he's worth because like you're probably talking upwards of sort of 40, 50 million, I'd say, because he's that good when he plays. But I was more referring to any money because, like you say, he's 29, you know, after this sort of next season, you're looking at 31-year-old probably centre-half and you don't get any money at all at that stage. So that was just my rationale. Um, purely because I think it's this season what it's done to me, like the, the constant injuries. And Joel Matip, in my eyes, unfortunately, has almost been... The epitome of that is whole Liverpool career. Like two good games, injury, two, three good games. And it's the same with Cater, like I touched upon, so he's not immune. But yeah, I get where you're coming from and I'm quite happy to be outvoted. 
Yeah, and even though I don't agree, I can understand why some people have sort of had the hope drained out of them when it comes to, to players like Matip and they just think, you know, let's maybe try and, and cut our losses really. But mm. So I can see both sides, but we'll move on um, to a less, probably the least controversial player in the squad for various reasons, uh, Ben Davis, a player who, um, according to my sources, does actually exist. Um although we don't have hard evidence of that. Uh so Dan, this Mirage from Preston, what would you what what would you do with him? Obviously we've not really we've not really seen him, but no. Right now, what would you say? Well, I'm gonna need evidence of his existence from you straight after this podcast for a start. But oh God, that is really tough. Um oh God. I think we're gonna have to I think we got I think we keep him. I think we've got to keep him, haven't we? Um I haven't really got a definite answer, which I'd really love to have at this juncture, but I just don't because, like I said, we haven't seen him. Yeah, I've seen bits of him beforehand, you know, but, I mean, as a sixth choice, is it going to be? That's probably fine. Um, cup games, probably a decent option, and we're going to need we're going to need the option. So, yeah, I'd, I'd keep him. Um, I think if we want to sell him, we'd probably make a profit instantly because I think Celtic were really keen. So, there's that element, but... I don't think we're going to admit defeat after six months and what could be one or two matches. I just don't. I don't see that happening. So, so yeah, I've got to say keep on that one. And Jack, it's difficult to to come up with an answer on this, really, given the limited glimpses. Yeah, like Dan says, it, it is difficult to come up with a with a definite answer on this because he's an unknown quantity. We haven't seen him, um, and it all depends on on how he's getting on in training. Like, the last time Klopp spoke about him, it was very much that, you know, we've, we've done this with Robertson and Oxley chamberlain mm. and it's a bedding-in period, which would suggest that they do see him as a as an option going forward. And, and yes, he did come from Preston and, and, he, you know, nobody really knew a lot about him when he joined, but Preston fans and, and championship football fans were all saying, you know, this guy is probably the best left-sided centre-back in the league. And, and you know that Klopp likes a story like this where he plucks a player out of nowhere and and he builds builds them into really good players. So a lot depends on um, on, on pre-season. If he's not going to get any minutes this season, um, how he gets on in pre-season. Um, obviously, he won't be going to the Euros or anything, so he should have some, some decent training time over the summer. But again, it, it comes down to if, if they do get an offer and if... Because, as I said, Liverpool do need to raise funds. If they get a, an offer that they think suits them, they probably will sell. But I think um, I think they're more. He's he's much more likely to to stay around this summer, and we'll see what he's actually about. Hopefully, next season. So, just to clarify, are you advocating that we keep him? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that means that I've been outvoted on this one. You know. Obviously, we've not seen him tested at this level, so it's very hard to say. But for Klopp, you know, Klopp clearly isn't convinced at all in training to the extent that he's more he's got more faith in Reese Williams, who I've said isn't ready for this level. So strictly on that basis, and I recognise that it's harsh, I'd I'd say sell for a pretty healthy profit on what we had. And I don't really like treating players like property renovations, but <laughs> mm. um, you know. I guess, you know, from a strictly business point of view, it would make sense. So, you know, just, you know, at this particular moment in time, that, that'd be what I'd say. But obviously, you know, I'm open to changing my mind on that. Um, but the panel says, the panel says keep anyway. We'll move on to um, a player who isn't currently, you know, playing his trade for Liverpool, but what is on our books and has been for a while. And that's um, the man who epitomises the phrase forgotten man, Marco Gluich. So, obviously, we'll, we'll have been following his his loans to varying degrees. But, mm. but Dan, what do you reckon? Yeah, it's a sell for me on this. I think it's um, <clears throat> somewhat of a no-brainer, to be honest. Um, and I hope you guys agree after saying that. But, yeah, I think when someone goes out on loans so often, and I, I'm not sure, he must be 24 off the top of my head, I think. Um possibly even 25 now. So, yeah, I think when someone gets sent out on loan so much, when they reach that sort of age, there's 
there comes a tipping point whereby you're probably not going to make it with your parent club, and I think we're probably past that now. Um, and we'll probably get some decent money for him because I think his loan spells. I watched a bit of him against Juventus last week in the Champions League, and apart from that play acting malarkey on the floor, I think he did okay. So you're probably going to get a decent bit of money for him. And like Jack touched upon, you know, we're going to be looking to raise funds. Um, so hopefully it's not another loan because the financial benefit from that is, is very limited. So hopefully we sell and we get some good money through the door for him. Well, you were bang on with, with his age. Um, he's, he's 24, but he turns 25 next month, which the fact that he's 25 is is a bit alarming, really. Mm. And, you know, it's interesting that you take issue with the um, the play actor on the floor. I, I thought that was hilarious, to be honest. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, we'll come to you, Jack. Do you agree with Dan? Yeah, I'd keep him just for the play acting, to be honest. I thought, <laughs> no, um, I think on the balance of things, it, it is a he is a sell. I think um, I think they they tried to to offload him last summer, but mm. he's an interesting one, really, in that it's it's never really happened. I mean, he played that cup game earlier this season, didn't he? Mm, um, yeah, Lincoln, he, I think. Yeah, and he scored a goal and he looked pretty good, but I think. Um, he was part of a group last summer that they were trying to offload with, with Wilson. And if Wijnaldum moves on and if we're having to prioritise, because uh, there's been some talk of us prioritising a centre-back and a forward more than a midfielder, if he comes back in pre-season and maybe there aren't, um, there aren't sort of buyers, they might look at keeping him as an extra option. Mm. Um, although I do think we're still pretty well stocked in midfield, even if we didn't replace Wijnaldum, to be honest. But... I think uh, if a good offer comes in, I think they'll definitely look to, to sell him. I, I can sort of understand that rationale. Obviously, I can't pretend that, you know, I've kept too closely abreast of, of his loan, but I read up on it and it, it doesn't look great, to be honest. Um, you know, he struggled quite a lot to actually get into the team and there was a Portuguese football expert who was saying that his counter-pressing has been, you know, very weak. Um, so, yeah, the signs, the signs aren't too promising and obviously... You know the counter pressing is a, is a crucial uh, element of, of a Liverpool midfielder. Um, you know, strange because you know he was the first club signing to arrive at, arrive at Liverpool, but his mm. his career just never really got underway. So ideally, I'd I'd sell him for somewhere between ten and fifteen million probably. But it seems like we've tried to offload him before and had to settle for a loan. And in a in a pandemic hit market, I can see that will probably be what happens again. And I kind of feel sorry for players when they're just out on loan all the time. But yeah, I don't I don't necessarily think that I can't I can't see Gruwich having a satisfactory role at Anfield going forward. So on then to what I think will be one of the the biggest and maybe most difficult decisions uh, the club will have to make this summer in terms of player sales and it concerns um, Alex Oxley Chamberlain. So we'll come to you first, Dan. Um, obviously, we landed unanimously on on sell with uh, Gruwich, but I'm anticipating maybe a little bit more disagreement on this one. Let's see. Yeah, um, unfortunately, um, I'm on sell as well with this, and it is unfortunate because he's probably the one I feel most sorry for. I'd say in terms of his career, just hasn't patterned out like he probably deserved to at Liverpool. I think you can half back to the injury against Roma really where it all stemmed from obviously um, and at the time he was a shoo-in in our midfield um, and he has been at, at various points since then in many ways but again it seems like every time he's you know a, a mainstay in, in Klopp's plans an injury comes along like start of this season you know pre-season he might not have been an integral part of the midfield but he would have played a role certainly throughout the season and then picks up a knee problem and unfortunately I just I just don't see that stopping. Like, I'd love it if it did. You know, similar with Lana really, in many ways. Like, we'd all love his injuries to stop and him just to play, but it never quite happens. Um, and I think, you know, it might be down to the way Klopp plays and our style and training and whatever. Um, I think it's just time, to be honest, to sell again. Uh, and it's a real shame because I like him. And I think he's one of the few players who, who has a big impact from midfield, but... It's just not happening. And I think he did well the other night when he came on in that false nine, which is a bit of a shock, and that might change things. But for me, it's come it's come to the time now. And Jack, what do you reckon? I'm going to set you up nicely to make the big call again here, David, because um, I'm going to say keep. 
Well, I just I agree with everything Dan has said there, but um, I'm just basically just not ready to let him go. <laughs> um, he's, he's, he's such a difficult one because I think a lot of people um, did hope that he would kick on this season. I mean, obviously, he had his injury troubles the last couple of seasons. And then, like Dan says, it's so frustrating. He just picks up a, a knee injury in pre-season and... And when he has come back into the side, the, uh, the thing with Oxlade Chamberlain, I always find, is he needs a, it's like he needs sort of two, three games to get back into a rhythm. Um, and I don't think really, that the problem with that is he can't always just have two or three games in the sides before getting back into it. He needs to come on and make sort of an instant impact. And like Dan said, it was interesting. He came on that false nine position the other night and it looked like that was the best sort of cameo he's had all season, I thought. Mm. But he, he's a brilliant talent. And I thought um, he'll be feeling very hard done by not being in the England squad at the moment as well, because I think Southgate has gone on record as saying he does really like Oxley chamberlain But he's just not had the game time. Um, and But yeah, I think, again, every as with all these players, as I've kind of said each time, I think all of these players have a price. And it wouldn't surprise me if, if one or two of these do leave because a club comes in and makes a good enough offer and, and Liverpool ultimately have to accept. But based on the talent that he is, and I think he still can can definitely contribute to this team, I'd, I'd keep him around this summer. But I, I do think his time is running out. And, I've you know, I think you've both made strong arguments and it kind of reflects the fact that, you know, there, there are good cases on both sides. Um, obviously, as you say, Jack, I have to decide and vote and I'm going to... I'm going to side with Dan on this one and say sell. Um, and I think instinctively you're reluctant to say that because of the personality that Oxlade-Chamberlain has, not just off the pitch, but, you know, on the field as well, the way he applies himself. And, you know, you can see, you can sort of see how, how much he, he wants it really. And he's had some great moments in a Liverpool shirt, but I just think, you know, sort of being uh, pragmatic about it, like you could probably get, 20 million off the sale maybe that's a little bit optimistic but you know there's that English tax isn't there on top of it and hopefully that would that will come to fruition and you know we've seen the likes of uh, uh, Barkley and and Lingard um, move moved, um, away from from their clubs and and you know in the case of Barkley not it didn't sustain it but you know they've sort of excelled initially so I wonder if that could be an example that a club tries to follow with Oxen yeah, I just think in the position that we're in, where we do seem to have to, you know, fund our own, our own business really uh, through sales. I think it just makes sense because when everyone's fit, he is way down the midfield back in order now, like even behind Curtis Jones after this season. And I don't particularly like him on the wing either. Like I don't necessarily view him as versatile because I'm not convinced by his performances out there at all. And you know, you both alluded to the the cameo. At Wolves, which I thought you might do, and you know it sounds harsh to say, but I just think Ox is one of those players who's kind of a specialist at looking, you know, bright and and lively, as they say, you know, um, but not actually, you know, seizing his opportunities when they do arrive. And I fully take, you know, Jack's point about players not having having rhythm, and you can't expect too much when you sort of throw them in a bit cold. But I do think that has to have, you know undoubtedly been missed opportunities and very forgettable performances. So I think even going forward, you could argue it's in the interest of, of both parties to to sell in that Oxide Chamberlain's, you know, he's going to be coming up to uh, 28, uh, 29. You know, he's going to be wanting to play regular football and maybe, as you alluded to, Jack, get back in the England squad. So, yeah, I've I've landed on, on sell with that one. Um, but we'll move on to... Um, Zed and Shakiri now, um, a player who's I think been slightly more involved this season than than we maybe expected. Uh, Dan, what would you do with Shakiri? I'm gonna have no squad left if Kevin comes to me. Um, I'm selling him. I'll be honest, I'm selling him again for all the reasons I've touched upon previously. This won't take long. Uh, like him, I think he's got high quality. Uh, I think he's come good in, in good moments for us. I just think this season, you're right to point out, you know, I'd be more tempted to keep him after he's played probably more than he has previously. But we've only, we only ever feels like we're a couple of weeks away from Shakiri's out with a calf injury, et cetera, et cetera. So 
I just think for for what we've been through this season and where we're looking to get next season in terms of you know it's catching City again, isn't it? I just think we need players that are more reliable, and Shakiri isn't one of them. And again, you know, touching on the more pragmatic side of it, money through the door probably for him. Someone's probably going to pay upwards of fifteen million potentially. So yeah, he he's gone as well, unfortunately, from my point of view. Interesting. Well, Jack, are you going to give me a deciding vote again here? I'm not, mate. I'm, I'm going to agree with Dan here. Um, I think as much as I really like Shakiri, and, and, and like Dan says, he's, he has played some, some good games this season, I think the time has come to move him on. And I think out of the players, they are going to look to shift. I think he is one that um, there will be offers for, and I think they could get a decent fee for him. I th- just based on the fact that they're obviously going to look to bring in another forward uh this summer they definitely need someone that's going to impact that front three more than Shakiri is um I've I've always really liked him as a player and and again there's been glimpses this season of him of him playing really well but I think he'll want to move on and get more minutes um obviously got the Euros this summer but it's also a World Cup next winter and he'll want to uh, hopefully be in the frame for that and, and get more minutes elsewhere so I think he'll I think for all parties here I think a new challenge would suit Shakiri well. Mm-hmm. Harvey Elliott as well. Sorry, Dave. Harvey Elliott's going to be yeah. back next season, and yeah. so so similar in so many ways. I think I think we run with him instead, personally. But go on. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a valid point. Actually, I didn't actually consider consider Harvey Elliott, but yeah, I've been um, I've been outvoted on this one. Uh, sadly, you know, I I've said keep um, if Shakiri wants to stay. That is um, because he's. You know, to my mind, he's a versatile, unique, and, and high quality player who's, you know, a really good person to have around in the squad. Um, you know, he's got a lot of ability, and I think he's the kind of, in terms of his talent, he, it's the kind of level you want as, as a backup in in a, a squad of our level. Um, but equally, having said that, if he asks to leave and we can get roughly what we paid for him, I wouldn't stand in his way, as long as we then obviously reinvest that in someone young and. And maybe less injury prone, but yeah, I'm not gonna necessarily labour that point. I think um, you know, it's not something I'm too sort of passionate about uh, with keeping him. So on to another attacker then, the penultimate round of the game, if you like, and it's Divock Origi. Uh, <laughs> we'll say it on the count of three <laughs> <laughs> because yeah, uh, uh, yeah, sell, 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 sell. Uh, and again, you know, all the things we've talked about, apart from the injuries, to be fair, he's pretty... I mean, he's got a knock at the minute, but he's pretty reliable in terms of he's always there. It's just the problem is, when he is there, he doesn't do a lot. Um, having said that, that assist for the goal in, in the Champions League last week was brilliant. But again, it's just another fleeting moment in an otherwise pretty dismal, pretty dismal career, if we're honest, at Liverpool. Like... When he starts games, he looks awful at times. This season in particular, I think he's been dreadful. Um, so yeah, I think the time. And again, he's you know you're looking at a Champions League winner, you know, goal in the final, big goals in in semi-finals and what have you. So you're looking at decent money potentially for Rigi. Someone is going to fork out, you know, quite a lot of cash for him. So that's got to be taken into consideration. So for me, the time has most definitely come this summer. Well. I hear your I hear your point of sell 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 sell, and <laughs> I offer the counterpoint of sell 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 sell. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know the odd thing about Arigi is that uh, I never get the impression that he actually wants to go. He seems comfortable mm-hmm. with the, you know, very marginal amounts of minutes that he actually plays, and you know, obviously I've got to have the the caveat here of. The heroic contribution that he made in the 2018-19 season, but let's be honest, since then he's been wo- woefully ineffective as a super mm. sub. Um, and I honestly think that you know Klopp's a great manager, but I honestly think that the substitutions are superstitious at times. Um, yeah. When he puts them on, and yeah, I just don't really see what he what he offers to the squad, uh, to be honest. And um, I was looking back at the uh, the Belgian squad in November and. Ben Teke and Batshuayi were were selected ahead of him, um, and you know those aren't good players. <laughs> no. those, those are players who are almost 
have comical goal droughts. Um, mm. So you know, if we're being if we're being honest about it, he's someone that that kind of needs to go. And if you could get upwards of ten million for him, that's that's sensible business in my eyes. Time but, for Divock to go, I think, even more so than uh, than Shakiri. It's it's a shame, but um, yeah, I think his time's definitely come to to move on. I, I loved his cameo off the bench against Leipzig, um, and I do mm. actually rate him a lot more than than some others. But um, no, I, th- I think it's definitely time to go again on the basis that they'll, they'll try and bring in another attacking player um, to try and compete with that front three. And possibly, possibly a starter to break up that front three, and I think he's definitely going to have to move on to raise funds. It's probably his first effective contribution off the bench, the bench in about fifty tries. Um, but uh, you know, honestly, that miss against against Burnley was one of the most excruciating moments of of this whole season, and that that is saying something. Um, but anyway, we'll move on now to the final one, uh, the final round, and it's Takumi Minamino. And I found this particularly difficult. Um, so, Dan, what are you saying? Yeah, this is probably the toughest one, probably even more so than Ben Davis, because we have seen him, and we've seen him especially since he left, obviously, to Southampton. And, you know, that form, if anything, the form either side of his Liverpool form says keep. But what we've seen from a Liverpool point of view probably inclined you elsewhere. So, I am going to say keep. I am going to keep him because I think he's shown enough you know, like I say, with with Salzburg and Southampton to suggest as a player there. I think Klopp likes him. I think he offers, you know, an alternative to, to what others do. Um, and the Palace game, obviously, when we hammered Palace, I thought he was decent. So I am going to keep him, but I do have major reservations about him as a Premier League player, to be honest. And Jack, would you echo that? Yeah, I would. I would keep him basically just because of, I think he's still got a bit of time on his side. Um I think Klopp said when he loaned him out, they definitely still see him as a future Liverpool player, which we've we've heard before and hasn't been the case. But um, I think the his early the early signs of his form against Southampton were very good. Um, I think they're suffering a bit. The whole team there is suffering mm. now, and they're without Ings as well. So there's quite a bit of uh, weight on on Minamino's shoulders to start popping up with some more goals there, but. I think the loan spell were doing some good. I think it was a good fit. I don't know whether it was the, the right time really for Liverpool to let him go in that they, at the time they had so many injuries and he played really well against Palace and got his goal. But I think um, I would I would keep him around this this summer um, based on the fact Shakiri and Origi will probably leave. Um, and as I say, I think he's got a bit more time on his side yet and next season will be a, a very big one for him. Well, I'm glad you too. Have uh, agreed on that one because I was actually planning to to kind of duck out of this one in a way because I, I want to see I want to see how he does at Southampton between now and the end of the season. Really, obviously he's he started pretty well and this is the first real consistent run of involvements he'll have had in the Premier League. So I think it kind of makes sense to delay judgment in in some ways. And and actually I like Minamino and I was I'm kind of as baffled as everyone else was that he didn't get the chance to build on his his performance at Palace. Um, but like, I think the problem is that I'm still not quite sure what his best position is, um, and whether you know he kind of suits us in that respect. Um, what I think will happen is not what I want to happen is that we we will sell him if we get offered anywhere north of double what we paid, whether that's by Southampton or or by someone else. Um, but it doesn't that doesn't necessarily matter. Because YouTube already voted, and I've I've tactically abstained on this one, so that is that's it. Then let's look over um, what we've done, and then we can maybe toss up a bit of a a working transfer fee. So keep Neko Williams, loan out Reese Williams, keep Joel Matip, keep Ben Davis, sell Gruwich. So what are we thinking for Gruwich? Reckon we could get should we say ten million? If we're being realistic yeah. in a COVID yeah, market. No, no more than, won't be any more than sort of 12 million, I don't think. So we'll say that. Um, Oxide Chamberlain was a sell. What do we reckon? I'd say more like 15, personally. 15. Yeah. 15. Yeah, 15 is about right. Yeah. Sell Shakiri. Um, you, you two said, what, what do you think we could get for him? Same again for me. 15 again. 15, yeah. yeah. Origi was a sell. What do you reckon? 20 quid. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say well, 100 million for that. <laughs> 
No, I'd say about fifteen again. Personally, I would fifteen. I don't think they'll get that for him. I think, yeah. I think, I think more closer to ten. I think. You know what? I'll say ten as well. I think that's probably slightly more realistic. And Minamino is a keep. So from those from those players, I'll have to probably edit out the pause while I work this out. But um, <laughs> so that's fifty million from those. So thanks to Jack for coming on. We recorded that section of the episode that you just heard um, at about nine o'clock this morning. It's now just past 12 o'clock. So uh, we thought we'd give you some um, initial reaction really to the Champions League draw. Obviously Liverpool drawn to face Real Madrid um, in a properly box office tie uh, going to Real Madrid first um, on the 6th or 7th of April, I believe. And then back at Anfield, it should be um, the following week. And then if Liverpool manage to get past Real Madrid, they'll play the winner of Porto and Chelsea. So, Dan, initial thoughts, how are we feeling about that draw? Yeah, really buzzing about it, to be honest, I must admit. Um, I was really anxious about the draw generally because, obviously, we've all struggled. It felt like, you know, it could not make or break our season because in many ways that's that's too extreme. But, like, we were going to stay with a chance of doing something or we weren't in my eyes. Like a Bayern Munich or a PSG or even a City would have been a bridge too far at this stage. So, yeah, I mean, the half of the draw looks really good. It's just a shame. Obviously, the fans thing, we all know about that because Anfield's second leg would have been incredible. Um, but also, I, th- I think I've seen somewhere that Real Madrid play El Clasico in between the two fixtures and we've got Aston Villa at home now. We all know what Aston Villa can do to us, but uh, as like in terms of resting players goes, that certainly favours us as well. So I'm buzzing. Yeah, I'm really happy with it. I don't think it could have gone. There's little tweaks could have been better, but I think generally that's a really good draw for us. Well, yeah, you know they always say that um, you've got to you're gonna have to beat the best teams at some point to win the competition, mm. um, which is obviously a factor. Um, and I'd say, you know, City and Chelsea have have got the best draws there, haven't they? You know, no disrespect to, to Porto, who've just knocked out Cristiano Ronaldo's Juventus, but I think Chelsea will, will have too much for them. And even though um, Haaland is, is a machine, I think City will, will overwhelm yeah. that, that Dortmund side. So I think they'll both go through. But in terms of the other opponents, I think, you know, you probably, probably would have chosen... Real really is, yeah. It's difficult. It's difficult to know um, what to expect. I think I'm excited for the tie rather than rather than confident. I'd say because that, it does have that that kind of box office feel to it. And I think I don't think it'll be a you know sort of explosive game. I think it'll over the legs. It'll be it'll be kind of scrappy and, and tight, and there'll probably be only one one or two goals in it on on the aggregate score and. Um, I think Real Madrid have sort of recently been able to recapture some of their form yeah. that won them La Liga last season in terms of being able to, you know, shut teams out and maybe frustrate teams a little bit more while still being obviously quite rough around the edges and, and not the team they once were. But to um, to pick up on, obviously one of the key talking points from the draw is the sort of the Kiev revenge narrative and and you know, Mohamed Salah going back up against Sergio Ramos. You know, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's obviously it's hard it's hard to ignore it for obvious reasons. But I think, you know, everyone's saying like, and rightly so, that like Salah will be extra motivated and Liverpool should be extra motivated moreover. And I think that's right. Like, you know, what happened that night, you know, they, they could have beat us regardless, but the circumstances around it weren't didn't sit well with Liverpool fans um generally. So it's hard not to look at it as if to say like, oh, there's a chance for revenge and Salah in particular should be, you know, willing to do a number on him, to be honest with you. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm really quite confident about it. You know, I mean, Real Madrid have improved, but, you know, arguably so have we in the very recent history. So listen, none of us are at our peak of our powers, I wouldn't say. Um, so I, I think we can do him. I really do. Um, and as for the other game in our half, Porto-Chelsea, I can see that being quite drab, to be honest. Chelsea, you know, dictate possession these days on the Tuchel and Porto are quite a solid team as well. So that could be the flip of a coin. That Chelsea are obviously the better side, but I wouldn't rule Porto out of that. And, you know, if they were to get through, then that's an even bigger 
big of incentive for us. Well, you know, the thing with the Champions League is you you sort of map it out in your head, don't you? And mm. that's inevitably what happens now that we've got the two sides of the draw and, and the roots to the final. But there is always, isn't there, a shock? Um, yeah. Lee, at this stage of the competition, there's always a, a team who is a surprise package. And, you know, realistically, you look at it and you'd say, um, you know, Porto go out, Dortmund go out. Probably, mm. you know, Liverpool will go into this one as the underdogs as well. Um, so, you know, there will be, you know, based on precedent, there is going to be a surprise. And I just think on, on the Ramos thing, you know, you alluded to it before, not having the fans in, you know, if you can imagine the kind of reception that. Right, yeah. But, I mean, maybe he, maybe he would have loved, you yeah. know, loved that atmosphere and um, and that kind of needle, really. Um, but, yeah, it would have been would have been quite special. So that is a shame. And, you know, it's also a factor, like, do, do we really realistically think Liverpool would have won either of the the Champions Leagues that they have won in this century without um obviously, you know, everyone has had fans, but you mm. know, without that sort of particularly special support, that that added extra that you can't quite quantify. Yeah, I don't think we beat Barcelona 4 0 without it. Exactly. I must admit. Like, you know so, what I mean? And it's easy to say that in hindsight because obviously we did it, but you know, when you look back and think back about the night, like they they must that must have affected them. Like you can see it in the face, and I know it's all well and good saying that people are oh, the professionals, they should be used to it. And the new camps obviously like ninety, nearly a hundred thousand people, so they know what an atmosphere is, but like that we don't win that game without it. There's no there's no two ways about it in my eyes. Um and just to you I agree that City should beat Dortmund, of course I do, but when you've got a player like Haaland that you just never know. It's certainly over two legs like this. You know, he only has to turn it on for half an hour and all of a sudden City are out of that tie. Like, that is a serious... And I had thought the same. We were playing Dortmund, obviously. Like, it just takes Haaland to click for 10, 15, 20 minutes and all of a sudden you're in big trouble. And I'm just really glad we're on our side of the draw, to be honest. Yeah, well, I think I think the thing is City will probably have too much for them in, in the sense that Dortmund's defence... To me, from what I've seen and what I've read, seems like a bit of a mess, to be honest. Um, but I do think there's, you know, obviously City's defence has been broadly solid. But if there's any player who's going to, you know, mm. cause a bit of chaos within that defence, I think um, Haaland is is an option um, in that category. So yeah, mm. we'll see. And as I say, there might be there's obviously the the potential for for some shocks, and yeah. it's it's only one game. One game away, it's we've got Arsenal and then yeah. and then Real, um, and obviously Villa in, in between, as you've said. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of selection Klopp goes mm. goes for, especially in the uh, in the Villa game in between, and and obviously the first leg will will probably dictate dictate that selection in some way. And yeah, we're probably looking at um, Jordan Henderson back potentially for for one of these legs. Hopefully, the first one, obviously. Um, but I do think it all depends on the league situation, doesn't it? Like if top four, you know, looks out of our reach, which is difficult to say now, because if we get beat by Arsenal, just for argument's sake, like all of a sudden top four again looks really difficult to attain. So, you know, a lot of it probably does depend on the Arsenal game, but I don't know. I think we'll go full strength regardless for, for Villa um, and just, just continue to put eggs in both baskets. But the Arsenal game could have a massive say on it, I must admit. Um and the other thing I will say is, everyone's been going on about the um, the comparisons between this year and 2005 in terms of the Messi Ronaldo, and obviously we played Chelsea in the semi-finals on the way to Istanbul, so yeah, it's um, it's pretty relentless in terms of the uh, the narrative going that way. So listen, it's not easy. I'm really positive because this morning, like I say, I kind of had this dread thinking, listen, if we get probably Munich or PSG, then that's probably it. Because, like you say, you've got to play them at some point, but I'd much rather play them in the final over 90 minutes where pretty much anything can happen than give them 180 minutes to, to tear our, let's face it, makeshift defence apart. So I'm really positive. Um, it's not going to be easy, Real Madrid, but, yeah, I think it's doable. I just all of a sudden think it's very doable. Well, the omens are there and the, the sort of, the dark horse factor, you know, obviously Liverpool aren't, this isn't the Liverpool that everyone would be terrified to face. This is, you know, Real will probably be reasonably happy with the draw as well. Yeah. But, um, yeah, 
strange things happen in the Champions League, as as we know. Um, so we'll probably wrap it up there for this episode. And obviously, we'll talk plenty more about that Real Madrid tie. And um, yeah, we've not only got the, the Liverpool tie to look forward to, but it's a very tasty Champions League draw generally. So that's it for for this episode. Uh, we'll be back next Friday. And fingers crossed we should have uh, a very high calibre guest for that episode. So stay tuned for that one. And uh, for now, enjoy your weekend. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts.